You still remember, Admiral. I cannot help but be touched. I, of course, remember you. What is the meaning of this attack? Where is the crew of the Reliant? Surely I have made my meaning plain. I mean to avenge myself upon you, Admiral. I've deprived your ship of power, and when I swing around, I mean to deprive you of your life. But I wanted you to know first who it was who had beaten you. Come. If it's me you want, I'll have myself beamed aboard. Spare my crew. I make you a counter-proposal. I'll agree to your terms if, if, in addition to yourself, you hand over to me all data and material regarding the project called Genesis. Genesis? What's that? Don't insult my intelligence, Kirk. Give me some time to recall the data on our computers. I give you 60 seconds, Admiral. Clear the bridge. At least we know he doesn't have Genesis. Keep nodding as though I'm still giving orders. But Savick, punch up the data charts of Reliance Command Console. Reliance Command? Hurry. 45 seconds. The prefix code? It's all we've got. Hello, everyone. And yes, that was, of course, the late, great uh, Ricardo Montalban, who passed away this past week uh, with uh, William Shatner in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, a terrific movie. And uh, Ricardo, as Khan there in, in the original series and in the film, did such a fantastic job. I thought we could start out today's podcast with a little tribute to him. Well, today is... Uh, Let's see, January 18th, 2009. This is podcast 210. Today is going to be a Western sort of sci-fi show. And the, the idea there is to, there's been a lot of series and movies over the years that have combined both elements of uh, the Wild West and the uh, elements of science fiction together, and some very successfully. So uh, I wanted to take a look at those and talk about those throughout today's podcast. We'll have some movie news and other little things as well, and maybe a collectible if there's time at the end. So uh, sit back and uh, let's start visiting the Wild West.
uh, theme you just heard there is uh, a guy named Neil Norman doing it, but it is the main title theme to the old TV series from the 60s, The Wild Wild West, which we'll be covering today on the podcast. The theme song itself was written originally by a guy named Richard Markowitz, uh, who, uh, uh, surprisingly enough, never really received uh, credit uh, for it uh, like he should. There seemed to be some kind of uh, a conflict uh, between him and the TV uh, channel, or not the channel, excuse me, but CBS and legal difficulties. Anyway, Markowitz was the guy that wrote that theme to the Wild Wild West, so I thought I'd start out today's show and play that. I'm always... uh, I've always been a big fan of that uh, music that they used in the show and the show itself, of course. And uh, today, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier on the podcast, uh, did I say this is Rico? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, welcome to today's, today's show, everyone. Uh, the I, I've always been a huge fan of uh, both Westerns and science fiction. Actually, the funny thing is, I, I probably grew up in some of my earlier days, I was probably more of a fan of Westerns early on, and then eventually got into science fiction more when I was probably at the age when I started to see this, the original Trek reruns. Uh, and, you know, John Wayne movies, though, earlier before that even were kind of, you know, that that's where I sort of got my hero worship on and, and that kind of stuff in those films. And I can distinctly remember seeing some old John Wayne movies at the drive-in with my family growing up especially movies like Big Jake and uh, The Cowboys, really had a big influence on me. So the uh, the combination of both science fiction and, and westerns is probably, you know, kind of the ultimate geek uh, thrill for me, I think. Uh, there have been some terrific shows and movies over the years, and I, I definitely, for a long time, have, I've really wanted to cover this as sort of an individual podcast. For some reason, this is a, a sort of a little subgenre that's... Uh, uh, been around for quite a long time, and I, I don't see it any any signs of stopping or anything like that. But before we get really heavily into that, let's get into um, some uh, movie news about the uh, the Trek film. Well, there have been some uh, a few tidbits this past week uh, related to uh, the Star Trek movie, Star Trek Eleven, or actually, it's just being called simply Star Trek. Uh, they've uh, revealed a few new toys. Playmates, you know, is doing a line of toys for the film. Uh, they've got a uh, there's a picture of the Kirk figure uh, that's up in his yellow uh, tunic. Uh, it looks pretty good. Uh, a little a little kind of funky. I don't know. There's uh, Playmates, you know, they had their ups and downs with the Star Trek line. I collected quite a few of them at the time, but uh, they're going to be doing these uh, figures from the movie, and uh, there's a picture up. You can find it over at trekmovie.com. I'll try to link it this week in the notes, but uh, it's looking pretty good. They've got a whole, you know, vast group of things that will be coming out, of course. Uh, Action figures, smaller and larger size ones. Props from the film, which continue to be discussed, especially since they revealed the look of a few of them over at uh, CES last week. You know, the uh, look of both McCoy's scanner, which they sort of called this tricorder, but it seems pretty clear now it's just the scanner, the communicator, and Uhura's eyepiece they showed there. Uh, One little thing I wanted to play for you, though. This is uh, William Shatner's reaction to uh, the look of the new Enterprise from the film, and uh, I agree pretty much with his sentiments here, and uh, well, listen to this. I've looked at pictures of the the new Enterprise, and I'm being asked my opinion 
of the new enterprise. And to me, it looks very much like the old enterprise, which is terrific. Uh, it, was a, it was a great design, a great imaginative design. And I ought to tell you, all of you out there, that whether a window is blue or green and whether it's up there or down here, it really doesn't matter. What matters is the shape of the, of the ship is uh, it's ship-shaped. It's very much like it was, and that's great. It shows that uh, J.J. Uh, is uh, in the tradition and in holding on to the ideals of construction, which means he'll be holding on to the ideals of Star Trek. So we know we wish him well, and, and it'll be a, a terrific show. And, and, it, and, and for me, the, the ship looks uh, great. Yeah, so well, William Shatner there has some great things and, you know, really kind of down-to-earth, uh, realistic things to say about the new ship. Uh, you know, it's, it's getting torn apart all over the place uh, on different forums I visit and things like that. I mean, there's some people that like, some people that don't like it. I, I'm, of course, and I've said before many times, I really don't care that much about, I mean, I do care about it. Let me say that more clearly uh, but like uh, William Shatner has a very good point there. He says it's it's still basically the design of the Enterprise. The, it's different, yes. Why they're doing some of the things they're doing, who knows? Does it really matter? I don't think so. Not as long as the movie is solid and the story is good and the acting is good. So, same thing about the props, costumes, sets, all that for me. One more clip I wanted to play for everyone today, though. This... Uh, both uh, Zachary Quinto, who, of course, is Spock in the new movie, and Chris Pine were at the Golden Globe Awards last week. Here's a short little uh, interview with them during that event. Uh, this is from the N- MTV guys. Uh, I think the interviewer's name is Josh Horowitz. So listen to what uh, he has to say when he's interviewing Zach and Chris here uh, at the Golden Globes. So uh, you guys have this little film coming out I've seen about 20 minutes of. Pretty awesome stuff. I liked it very much. I did. I did. And I'm a Trekkie. I went to the conventions. So be careful with me. Yeah. So now that we've started to get real glimpses of the footage and you're hearing the good, the bad, and the ugly, mostly good from fans, how are you feeling? Are you feeling confident that you have honored what Trek fans like myself have uh, been hoping for? Absolutely. Jinx. That yeah, means no. I feel, I feel really, uh, I feel strongly that that was the spirit in which the movie was made from the very beginning, and uh, that declaration was clear from, you know, the people at Paramount and JJ, the people at Bad Robot. So I feel like we've always been in good hands, and uh, and and that was always something that we were concerned with. Have you guys seen a cut of the film as JJ shared with you? Anything? Not yet. I mean, I saw the thirty minutes that you guys saw, yeah, but that was about too. it. I don't really want to see it yet. I'm kind of cool, just like oh, I'm dying, keeping it keeping it out there, you know, as long as I haven't seen it, I feel like it, the experience is still mine, so uh, yeah, we'll see it soon. What's the witness test? Are you nervous when Shatner eventually sees what you did, when Nimoy eventually sees what you did? No, Nimoy's already seen it, Nimoy's been very involved in the whole process with me personally and with the film, so uh, I, don't, I don't really have any nerves about that. I don't know about you and Shat. No, I'm, I mean, I feel really comfortable and good with what I did, and it's not going to be uh, uh, quite Mr. Shatner's interpretation, but I, you know... I'm definitely looking forward to hearing his thoughts on it. That's, I'd say that. I was talking to JJ recently, and he sounds open to a sequel. You guys eager to get back on the Enterprise and do some more damage? Absolutely. It was a good, it was more than good. It was a wonderful group of people, and I, it would be a, a blessing to work with, uh, work with them again. And I can't wait to shave my eyebrows again. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Really, both those guys seem very cool about the whole thing and uh, seem to have their heads on straight. And, you know, they did their own little take on Spock and Kirk, which is, again, the way they needed to play it. And, uh, of course, we're all, <laughs> I'm just 
Can't wait for May to get here, especially since that'll mean winter is over, which really is totally awful this year here in Michigan. And I may have said this a few times the last few weeks on the podcast, and I hate to keep bringing it up, but man, we've had sub-zero weather this past week and more snow than I, you know, it's just like, who wants some snow out there? Because I'll ship it to you. No problem. What's going on in the world of sci-fi? Stay tuned. Okay, this past week uh, we had some uh, great sci-fi come back uh, to the air, uh, both uh, Smallville Returns and, uh, of course, Battlestar Galactica came back on the Sci-Fi Channel last Friday night with uh, a new episode. They're in their last uh, set of episodes, 10 episodes total, I think, uh, one down, nine to go, and uh, I was just you know, thrilled by both shows. I think I'll mostly talk about Galactica. I'm not going to say anything really related to the episode or spoilers or anything like that. But I, it's just this this uh, you know show all along for me has been just so fantastic, so well written, so well acted, so real, uh, almost too real sometimes. Especially this most recent episode, it, it's it's so much more just a drama than it is almost science fiction. Especially with what's been going on lately on the series. I'm just completely, I'll just have to use the, the galactic word, fracking, blown away uh, every week when I watch this series. The the actors and everyone working on it, these guys all deserve Emmy Awards. And it's just it's just amazing. I, I, I don't exactly know what's going on. But the fun thing about this show is you get little tidbits thrown at you and it gets you thinking about all kinds of things. And I, I like that a lot. J.J. Abrams does the same kind of stuff. Uh, in his shows, and uh, of course Ron Moore here, and the other guys that work on uh, BSG do that here. They're, they, you know, they sort of lead you along a little path, maybe throw you some things that aren't quite true, and then eventually work their way around to them. And everything sort of means something. They'll bring things back that that happened way back, episodes ago, seasons ago, even sometimes. And I like that. I like that continuity. So I, I just can't say enough. If you've never watched these shows, um, Smallville or Battlestar, you, you should definitely check them out. You can pick up the other seasons on DVD, watch them online, uh, download them via iTunes, all kinds of different ways to get stuff these days, which is great. So uh, that stuff is back, and uh, it's been fantastic. I'm Charis. And this is Ona. And you're listening to Rico on Treks in Sci-Fi. I have just a, a couple of quick announcements uh, that I wanted to talk about, and then we're going to get definitely heavy into the, the Western sci-fi topic. Uh, the first one, we have one other week to go on the recasting of the Next Generation contest. I started this and announced it on last week's podcast. The idea is to take the eight main characters, uh, and I won't list those off again. I, I listed them last week on the show. If you have a question, shoot me an email, treksf at gmail.com. You'll know which ones I'm talking about, I think. Uh, Picard, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> anyway, the idea is to take some present-day actors, other actors than the original TNG cast, and and say, okay, this is why I'd have to play Picard these days. This is why I'd have to play Wesley, you know, Dr. Crusher, Troy. Oh, I am listing them. Anyway, Riker, so forth. And to send me an email or uh, PM me, if you're a member, on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums with your list. You've got one more week up until next week's podcast to get those lists to me. And then what I'm going to do is I am going to put each person's list. We're going to have a vote on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. Everyone's going to have their list up, and the person will probably go, I, I said a week, I think, last week, but I think we may extend the vote for two weeks. We'll see how that goes. It, that's not a big deal, I think. 
But anyway, it'll be a week or two of voting on the forums to uh, you know vote for your list, and the the winner of this will get another will get a, a DVD uh, collection set of the first two hundred podcasts of Treks and Sci Fi. So. Lengthy explanation again, but that's the idea. Got quite a few entries so far, uh, some with some real interesting ideas. I, I've been sort of pondering my own little list. I've got a couple still left to go on, on my uh, list, but I just thought this would be a fun thing to do since, of course, they're recasting the original series. Of course, I'm still up for a, a, you know the original group of TNG actors to do more Trek someday, maybe a movie or whatever. Not sure that'll ever take place. Uh, you know, We'll see if how this next film does and, and what that means to uh, the TNG crew. But this just was a fun little contest I thought of, and I, I think it's going to turn out uh, really cool. <laughs> anyway, uh, get those lists to me before uh, next weekend. Oh, and uh, if you want to, uh, if you don't even want to participate in that, or if you still just want to purchase it on your own, I am still selling those DVD collection sets, uh, the first 200 podcasts, for the rest of this month of January. Uh, the details are on the main website, also on the forum. Again, if you have questions, just email me over at treksf at gmail.com. Will Smith singing uh, his song, uh, The Wild Wild West, from the movie Wild Wild West that came out uh, back in 1999. Very, uh, not a very good movie. But I do like that song just because uh, I kind of like Will Smith and like what he does with it. Uh, He wasn't really that bad in the film, but uh, I'm not going to talk a lot about that movie. But I thought it would be a good uh, lead-in segue to our our discussion today of uh, Western science fiction especially since I'm going to uh, start off the discussion with uh, the television series, The Wild Wild West. Now, this uh, this series ran for four seasons back in the 60s on CBS. It ran from 1965 to 1969. The, uh, the people out there listening to the podcast, uh, probably people of my age, maybe, uh, you know, within about 10 years, younger or older, uh, well, definitely older, probably, and, and younger. And if you've seen reruns, these are out on DVD. I'm not sure. I think they're all out now on DVD. They were releasing them kind of a season at a time for a while there, but I believe they're all out now. This show starred Robert Conrad as uh, Secret Agent James West with his partner, Artis... Art- <laughs> oh, there we go. All right, that's it. No more flubbing today, Rico. Uh, with his partner, Artemis Gordon, played by uh, Ross Martin. Uh, again, uh, I'll try to give you the overview. The uh, The idea of this show was sort of uh, a James Bond set in the Old West. Uh, Robert Conrad's character, James West, was, was very much a Bond character. He got the girls, he had the gadgets, uh, but it was, the, again, the show was set in the West, 
and they ran into uh, different villains over the different seasons they were on. And uh, Artemis, his partner, played by Ross Martin, was uh, he was sort of uh, the brainier gadget guy. He also was a master of disguise, which helped them out quite a bit. Although when you watch these shows again, when you ever see him in disguise, there were sometimes they did a pretty good job with it, but you could always kind of tell it was him in in the uh, in the outfits and things like that. And you always wondered to yourself, how come the bad guys could never pick him out anyway? Uh, but uh, the guy that created the show is a guy named Michael Garrison, and they uh, they decided, you know, again to create this sort of spy slash sci-fi slash western uh, TV series. And uh, Robert Conrad, I've always enjoyed quite a bit. I enjoyed him just about in every series he's ever done, uh, The Wild Wild West. I was a big fan of his Black Sheep Squadron series, which was uh, when he played uh, real-life uh, hero uh, Pappy Boyington, uh, a World War II fighter ace. Uh, that was a great show back in the 70s. So anyway, Robert Conrad uh, does a fantastic job here. Uh, James West, of course, has to be a very you know tough, hard, hard-hitting hero and you know, he's he's got all these gadgets, like I said. They live on this train in this show, which is, <laughs> I mean, how cool is that? They have their own train and travel around, and they're uh, both secret agents. They work directly for the president. Uh, it's just a, an amazing, fun show. Uh, their probably main adversary in this uh, was a guy named Loveless, played by uh, the late Michael Dunn, who uh, people will remember. He was a, a short and stature actor. He also was on that uh, episode of the original series of Star Trek called Plato's Stepchildren. He played, uh, who did he play? Uh, oh, God, I'm blanking out. I had it a minute ago. Oh, uh, Michael? No, let's see. He was Miguelito Loveless on, on the Wild Wild West, and that name is confusing me with the Plato's stepchildren. Alexander, that's who he was. Okay, there we go. Brain's uh, still thawing out a little bit today. Uh, anyway, so this show was uh, just just a great blending of spy and western and sci-fi. They just had all kinds of different storylines and plots. I, it's very difficult to, uh, with one of these kind of shows to get into it in, in great detail. But uh, hey, let me play uh, a little clip from the show for you. Oh, good morning, James. Hi, Artie. Anything happening? Oh, same old thing. Just a different town. Thank you. Artemis, if you were to pose as an illegal armament salesman... And walk right into the middle of all of those hatchets and poison darts... Oh, if we were successful, we might discover some highly unusual information. Yeah, and if we weren't, we'd be pulling me out of San Francisco Bay. Now, what do you think Washington pays you the big money for and surrounds you in all this luxury? I thought it was because I had charm. What's this? I don't know. It came this afternoon's mail. Nobody sends me surprise. Here, you open it. Oh, thank you very much. The inscrutable oriental mind being what it is, the honor's all yours. gives you a little bit of a, uh, a you know sense of the style between uh, Artie's character and uh, James West the uh, you know the very bond uh, overtures in this uh, series are evident you know even the character's name James West a lot of times he'd introduce himself my name's West James West uh, the show went through some changes uh, Robert Conrad uh, has some interesting DVD commentary on the DVD sets uh, the first season was a little darker. It was also uh, the first season was in black and white. The later seasons were in color. 
most of the episodes are, are are standalone. There were there were very few you know connected things. Although they did have the ongoing uh, supervillain of Loveless that sort of you know was after the him uh, or after them, excuse me, or trying to uh, take over the world, take over the country. In, in many episodes, they did a couple of TV follow up movies. Uh, I think one was called The Wild Wild West Revisited, and the other one more Wild Wild West. I forget which one came first. Uh, they, they were okay. Uh, I don't know if you can get those on DVD. I'm not sure about that. I'll have to check into that part of it, but uh, I don't think so. I'm not not really sure, though. Those were out, I think, about eh, maybe uh, into the 80s, I'd say, late 70s and 80s. I'll have to look. I think mostly the 80s. I'll, I'll look those up for you. But uh, anyway, Wild Wild West, great show from the 60s, a lot of fun. Uh, definitely worth seeking out. Very uh, cool style to it. Uh, Robert Conrad did uh, basically all his old his own stunts. Uh, lots of fights. Uh, you know, classic western bar brawls and all kinds of. Uh, you know, he, there'd be like ten guys after him, and he'd he'd get through them all. And uh, Artie would just sort of sit there and watch most of the time when those kind of fights would take place. Uh, but again, he was kind of the muscles, the brawn, and the cool guy, the, the Bond type character, and Artie was his partner and. Would you know would figure things out and get them into uh, situations and out of them and that. So uh, they did have another guy that came in when Ross Martin was having some health problems. I forget what season that was in, uh, but he came in for quite a few episodes. Uh, I'm trying to think of the actor's name, blanking on that. I should have written some of this stuff down. Uh, but anyway, uh, there's a couple of Trek connections too I wanted to mention. Both the the producers Fred uh, Freiberger and Gene Kuhn, who both worked on the original Star Trek, also worked on the Wild Wild West. So, and there are other connections, of course, like I said, with uh, Michael Dunn's character and other people that showed up, uh, other actors in both series as well. So, lots of fun and definitely worth seeking out on DVD. MGM presents Westworld. Attention, please. We will soon be landing at Westworld, the ultimate resort. We have you on grid five, over. It consists of three worlds of the past. Locking in now. Worlds where you can live out your every fantasy. There's Roman world, the lusty, decadent delights of Imperial Pompeii. Notify ground crews. Medieval world, chivalry and combat in 13th century Europe. And Westworld. Lawless violence on the American frontier of the 1880s. Each resort is maintained by reliable computer technology and peopled by lifelike robot men and women. Let's stand by for resort activation. Ready on six, on five, on four, on three, on two. Activate now. Robots are programmed to provide you with an unforgettable vacation. Dinner at 7, breakfast at 6.30. Get lunch on your own. Don't look like much here, but we have everything. You mean to tell me he's a robot? What'll it be? Uh, vodka martini on the rocks with a twist of lemon. Very dry, please. Just give him whiskey. He's new in town. Many elements of the Delos Resort are potentially dangerous. That's part of the appeal. Go on. You say something, boy. Kill him. Your move. Our technology is designed to provide all this in complete safety. In Westworld, frustrations find release. 
Desire ends in satisfaction. Let me handle it. And all in a controlled environment. That's not supposed to happen. We know you'll enjoy your stay in Westworld. Hold it. The ultimate resort. Let me do it this time. Where nothing, nothing can possibly go wrong. I'm shot. Go wrong. Raw. Go wrong. Oh, my God. Shut down. Shut down immediately. from MGM, starring Yul Brynner, Richard Benjamin, and James Brolin. Westworld, the ultimate resort. Boy, do we have a vacation for you. For you. For you. For you. Yeah, so obviously up uh, next in a uh, quick discussion about this one, just uh, this movie, uh, Westworld, Came out in 1973. Uh, obviously, again, you heard in the trailer a very sci-fi western-based uh, situation where there's this sort of big mega theme park uh, with these different sections in it. And the main one that they visit and you see in this movie uh, is the Old West uh, that is run by all this computer control and these android robots that uh, simulate uh, characters from the West. Yul Brenner, of course, is the gunslinger in this. Uh, he even... Uh, is looking very much like his uh, character in The Magnificent Seven. He even wears the same costume in this movie. Uh, a very cool idea, and one that always reminded me of the uh, original Trek episode, Shore Leave, where there's this large like amusement park setting on a planet, and things that people uh, think about and, and, and sort of talk about and wish for become real and true uh, through this advanced technology. Uh, a very similar idea here, although the setting is sort of fixed and the people come to it, and but what they you know kind of desire and want to have happen the 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 town and the 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 park is sort of sort of pro- supposed to provide it you know where there's gunfights and, and women you know and and bar brawls and all kinds of things like that in this setting of course things don't quite work out like uh, they they hope uh, this movie was uh, written and directed by Michael Crichton of course, a famous author who uh, I believe uh, also worked on uh, and did Jurassic Park. I think he just passed away last year as well. Uh, again, you heard the actor's name, Reuel Brenner, Richard Benjamin, James Brolin in this movie. Fantastic. A, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, they had a follow-up sequel movie to it called Future World. And also there was a very short-lived uh, TV show back in about 1980, I think it was, uh, that was called uh, Beyond Westworld. Didn't last for very long. So uh, a very neat setting and something that I think they could definitely revisit these days. You know, it would be very cool to see uh, a new take on this concept of a sort of an amusement resort where your dreams could, you you know, sort of play out. Uh, even, uh, you know, uh, Ricardo Montalban's show uh, Fantasy Island was very much like this in a way. Uh, they weren't really robots, I don't think, were they? I, I, I used to watch that show. I think the people and the characters that they would run into and meet were all real, but they would create these settings that people could sort of have fun with. So uh, so anyway, Westworld, 1973, and I know later on in today's podcast, Rick Moyer has some comments, I think, about this movie as well. So let's move on to our next uh, show.
see, uh, th- scene. <laughs> that theme song that you just heard was the theme to a, a, a big favorite TV series of mine. It's called The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. This show uh, only aired for one season on the Fox Network back in 1993 to 1994. It starred uh, Bruce Campbell, who is a big uh, you know genre geek favorite. Uh, did the Evil Dead movies, uh, Army of Darkness, and all kinds of other uh, great uh, shows over the years. He stars as Briscoe County Jr. Here, kind of a you know, kind of a rascal kind of guy. Uh, he eventually uh, goes after um, the, the the premise of the show is that uh, when it starts out, his father is murdered, and he is after this uh, John Bly and his gang uh, it, because they're the ones who basically um, took his father's life. Uh, John Bly is played by an actor named Billy Drago. Uh, they uh, basically, through the course of these episodes, Briscoe goes after uh, John Bly and his gang, gets into all kinds of other situations. But there's a lot of science fiction elements in this series, including, you know, uh, futuristic uh, things uh, like time travel. There's this mysterious orb in the uh, in the series as well that has some sort of strange powers. I don't want to say too much. This uh, series is out on DVD. All of the episodes are out on, on one nice uh, DVD set. Uh, but it's it's just got a very cool style to it, very much uh, reminiscent of the Wild Wild West. There's gadgets. Um, uh, one of the things I really like about this show is Briscoe County, Bruce Campbell's character, uh, and his horse Comet have uh, almost like a, you know, like a, a, a sort of a relationship. I don't, that's not the right word, uh, but he basically sort of almost understands Comet, and Comet understands Briscoe. They're, it's almost like Chewie and Han. That's probably more uh, a good uh, uh, comparison between the two of them. Uh, Comet comes and saves Briscoe quite a few times, and uh, it's it's pretty fun to watch. And he's always sort of um, Comet's always sort of nuzzling uh, Briscoe to get like a, an apple or, or some candy or something like that. A lot of fun. Uh, this. Uh, this series had uh, a great group of actors in it and some guest stars, uh, sort of uh, some tongue-in-cheek things. A lot of the episodes would end in sort of a cliffhanger style, too, where Briscoe was in some kind of a trap or predicament or something would happen like that, and they would have to be rescued uh, in, in some way. He eventually uh, hooks up with this other bounty hunter uh, who uh, is played, uh, let's see, what am I, I'm blanking out on that guy's, uh, the actor's name. I'll look it up here. I've got uh, some of these uh, things open up on the web right now, and I'm stalling. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, let me pause the recording here for a second so I can get the right part of this. Uh, I just had to scroll down just a little bit more. Lord Bowler, played uh, by Julius Carey, was uh, sort of Briscoe's rival uh, at first, uh, but uh, later becomes his partner. And there's, uh, there's a guy named uh, Socrates Poole, played by actor Christian Clemenson. He's uh, sort of this uh, attorney, and uh, he's the one that sort of gives jobs and things like that to uh, Briscoe to do. There is also a woman involved who's sort of uh, the the sort of love of uh, Briscoe's life, even though there's other women in the series. Uh, Her name is Dixie Cousins. Uh, She's played by Kelly Rutherford, uh, who is, uh, I think she's on a current TV show, uh, The Gossip Girl Show. I think she's on that one. I don't watch it, but I think... uh, uh, she was one of the sci-fi babes recently on that uh, blog that I do. 
anyway, she's sort of a con woman as well uh, in the series. Uh, and there's also all kinds of other cool characters. Uh, John Astin, who from the Adams family, is actually in this uh, series as well. He uh, plays a character named Professor Wickwire. Uh, he's sort of an eccentric in- inventor, and he comes up with a lot of the gadgets and things that are used. Uh, uh, and, of course, John Bly, I already mentioned, played by uh, an actor named uh, Billy Drago. He shows up in a lot of these Western shows. i got to say a little bit more about Bruce Campbell. He, he just brings so much to this part. It, it's almost custom fit to him. Uh, one of the things that I always liked about it, uh, uh, since it's sort of uh, similar, you know, they're there are similarities uh, to other characters that he does, but something that I always uh, thought was cool in this is Briscoe and uh, Bruce Campbell are left-handed, and so uh, in this series he's always wearing his six-gun on his hip, but it's on his left side, and I always kind of like that because I'm left-handed as well, and uh, I thought that was kind of cool. You know, you don't see that very often if you watch Old West movies. There are even uh, actors that I have heard of over the years that are they're left-handed, but uh, they uh, purposely try to shoot always right-handed. Uh, I think I mentioned that in a recent uh, podcast one time. Uh, one of the uh, people that I know that does that is Keanu Reeves. If you ever uh, see him in, in uh, you know, somewhere out of. Uh, you know, acting uh, realm, uh, he's left-handed, but in, in movies, if he's ever holding a gun or anything like that, he always shoots right-handed, but just a little side note there, but this is a cool show. Again, a lot of this stuff that I'm talking about, unfortunately, except for Wild Wild West, only lasted like a season, and uh, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. is another one of those, those as well, but if you like sci-fi, if you like westerns, and you like a lot of fun and action, uh, definitely seek out Briscoe County Jr. on DVD. Yeah, since I have uh, quite a few uh, comments to play about this uh, theme today on the podcast, I want to slip one in here. This is a Mike uh, Feathers on the forum. Uh, his comments about Western-themed uh, uh, science fiction, I'll slide his in uh, and try to pepper these in throughout the podcast rather than stack them all up at the end. So here's Mike and his comments. Hey, Rico. Mike from London. just want to say Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to all the listeners, the rest of the Treks in Sci-Fi world. Hope 2009 is going to be a good one. The topic of Western Sci-Fi, I have to say, is not something I've got an awful lot to say about. I've only seen half of Firefly so far. It's something I started watching just before Christmas and never got as far as the end of um, Christmas got in the way. There's a lot to watch over that time, but it's at the top of my list of, of stuff to pick up after. Brilliant series, very well put together. I'm not going to comment more till I see how it ends. But that's probably the primary example that I can think of, of this genre of stuff. The film of Westworld was another one, I guess. It was something I saw years ago. I, on holiday somewhere with uh, my parents and family, so it must have been years ago. And that one captivated me. Robots, the Western theme, the, the sort of holiday resort set up, and, and the whole malfunctioning story, that... As a, a teenager, which I probably was, that sort of scenario is guaranteed to captivate my imagination. And I remember sort of ruminating on that one for years afterwards. Probably ought to get it on the DVD rental list or something I ought to watch again. But again, it, it's now it's it's faded a bit. I remember it as, as being very good. I don't know how, how much it would have dated if I tried watching it now, I have to say. But the other thing that, that grabs me on this topic, though, is the way the West is used within episodic television as as a setting for, for various series where they can get away with it. A prime example I can think of is Sliders, which we're just re-watching at the moment, where one of the Series 1 episodes 
transplanted them into the West. I mean, I think they were still in San Francisco. That seemed to be the way their wormholes work geographically. They always pop out in San Francisco. But it was a San Francisco that was in Texas, because Texas was big in that world. So the legal system was, was gun battles. The lawyers were gunslingers. There were cowboy hats, the whole... I don't know why they still had dirt roads and, and wooden buildings, but it, it was the sort of Western set whether it was a standard western set they'd nicked off another series i don't know but it's just an another aspect of this topic i guess in in while it may not be a western series there always seems to be the urge to get a western themed episode into to whatever's going on so not necessarily what i originally thought of when i thought of making a comment on this topic but uh hopefully it's a another angle to come at the subject matter from uh, Thanks for the uh, chance to exercise the old brain on this one. I'm sure I'll be talking to you again later in the year. Cheers. Well, thanks, Mike, for your comments. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Uh, it's interesting how so many TV series, even things that are not science fiction, how they've been able to work, uh, uh, although Sliders is definitely sci-fi, but they've uh, they've always seemed to be able to somehow work, You know, especially if shows are on long enough, some kind of a Western-based episode or two in a series uh, that happens quite a few times uh, it's happened on trek just about every series they've had uh, different episodes uh, that have been more heavy west uh, oriented but you know they, they definitely seem to be able to work those in and i guess that's sort of an american situation i think uh, you know the the west has a sort of romantic appeal to to uh, uh, us over here in the in the you know americas and uh, it's just you know, something that I think we all like go, oh boy, that'd be cool to be back in that time or in era. And uh, yeah, except I kind of like, uh, you know, heat and running water and electricity and all those good things too. I think that was uh, another reason why Western sci-fi type stuff is kind of fun because they, they sort of blend the two things together and you can kind of get away with that a little bit. They get a little bit of technology, but they also get to, uh, you know, ride horses and shoot guns and, and, and rescue damsels and stuff like that. So Anyway, thanks for your comments, Mike. Oh, I wanted to say one other thing about Briscoe County I forgot about. That theme music might be sort of familiar to some people. Uh, uh, they, uh, they use uh, that music. It's by a guy named Randy Eidelman. Uh, it, NBC Sports, if you want a lot, watch a lot of NBC Sports, Major League Baseball, and even the Olympics, they'll use that music uh, and different cues from it in those events. So I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, I always thought it had a cool theme song to Briscoe County. So, hey, let's move on to uh, another topic or another uh, another element in our, our Sci-Fi West discussion, uh, a movie this time, uh, the third one in a trilogy, and I think uh, you guys will be familiar with this one. So listen to the trailer to uh, this film. From out of the West, in a cloud of dust, a thunder of hooves, and a mighty... Chris Scott. I know, this is heavy. And this summer, Marty and Doc go back one more time for their greatest adventure of all. Doc's living in the past. Don't try it, Tanner! But he's about to be history. What kind of a future do you call that? I'm going back to 1885 and I'm bringing you home. It's the last roundup. It's the final showdown. Hey, right now, jerk. Where Marty makes a name for himself. What's your name, dude? Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. What kind of stupid name is that? Doc meets his mate. You saved my life. 
I'm a proud of your service. And Tannen meets his match. I'll hunt you and shoot you down like a duck. It's dog, Buford. Shoot him down like a dog. Michael J. Fox. Where'd you learn to shoot like that? 7-Eleven. Christopher Lloyd. There's a fella that can't hold his liquor. And Mary Steenburgen. I never ever met a man like you before. <clears throat> Gentlemen, excuse me, but my friend and I have to catch a train. This summer, Steven Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis invite you. Come on, buddy! To the Rough Rider. Rip Roar. Rootin' Tootin'. Straight Shootin'. There's a hold up! It's a science experiment! Rousing conclusion of... Back to the Future. Let the festivities begin! Back to the Future, Part 3. Yeah, so just like Mike uh, was uh, saying, uh, here's another example of working uh, West into, uh, uh, this time, a movie series, the Back to the Future series. Uh, the first two films very uh, present-day and future-oriented uh, and actually in the past as well, but, you know, time travel and all that. Anyway, uh, Marty McFly and Doc Brown here go back into the Old West uh, in this episode. Uh, episode. <laughs> In the third of the films, uh, this one came out, let's see, it was in 1990, I think? Yeah, let me check that. Uh, yes, 1990. It came out, uh, it was about 120 minutes long. Uh, let's see, cost $40 million to make, made uh, about $245 million worldwide. So it did okay. Uh, probably not the strongest of the Back to the Future movies. This one is a little different than the other two. Definitely one and two were sort of very connected, and this one is quite a bit different. But I still think it's pretty charming and a lot of fun to watch. And Michael J. Fox is Marty and, you know, Doc Brown, Christopher Lloyd, and Mary Steenburgen. All the characters are back and some new ones as well. So this one's a lot of fun and still still great to see and uh, a very uh, much uh, western sci-fi type film so uh, let's uh, move forward take my love take my land take me where I cannot stand I don't care I'm still free you can't take the sky from me take me out to the black tell them I ain't coming back burn the land Take the sky from me There's no place I can be Since I found serenity But you can't take the sky from me Yes, that, of course, is the theme uh, song uh, to uh, just probably the best and most fantastic uh, Western sci-fi show maybe that has ever uh, been created. Uh, just There's just something about this series, about Firefly, that uh, just is so good. I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, it's just, it hits home so well, the writing, uh, the acting, the stories, 
and and just everything. I, I want to. Uh, I don't even know really exactly how to get into this, uh, but uh, I thought there's a little bit of stuff up on Wikipedia that I found kind of interesting, and I thought just I'd read a little bit of this to you guys. Uh, maybe some things you hadn't heard of before about the show, and I've got some comments from some of uh, the listeners also for this series as well for Firefly, which uh, was on from just one season, 2002 to 2003, only ran for a total of 14 episodes. Uh, I think a couple of those never even made it actually on the air the first run, and later uh, were um, only shown when the DVD set came out. Let me say, uh, give you some information, like I said, some background stuff here. Sort of the genesis of the production. Uh, Joss Whedon developed the concept for the show after reading the uh, the book uh, The Killer Angels, a novel chronicling the Battle of Gettysburg during the American Civil War. He wished to follow people who had fought on the losing side of a war and their experiences afterwards as pioneers and immigrants on the outskirts of civilization, much like the post-American Civil War era of Reconstruction and so forth. He intended the show to be a stagecoach kind of drama with a lot of people trying to figure out their lives in a bleak and pioneer environment. Whedon wanted to develop a show about the tactile nature of life, a show where existence was more physical and more difficult. After reading The Killer Angels, Whedon read a book uh, about Jewish partisan fighters in World War II, and it was also an influence on him. Whedon wished to create something for television that was more character-driven and gritty than most modern science fiction. Television science fiction, he felt, had become too pristine and rarefied. Whedon wished to give the show a name that indicated movement and power, and he felt Firefly had both. The powerful words, uh, relatively insignificant Whedon, Whedon felt, added to its allure. He eventually wound up creating the ship in the image of a Firefly, which uh, very interesting stuff here. You know, you get, you get a little bit of an idea of how, how creators and, and, and writers uh, come up with their ideas for things, you know, reading and, and putting new spins on things that they hear about and, and think about. And it, again, the, the future uh, being, uh, you know, this is in the year like 2500 or so for the universe of Firefly. It's just set in our own little solar system in that. And the, you know, the environment, it's not like, you know, those days of the Jetsons and the future and everything. And even in Star Trek, where the future is all great and pristine and clean, everything's good and everything's fine. It, it, it's rough. It's really rough. Uh, so, uh, and, and the characters... The neat thing about it is just how much they try and strive, you know, to to do good, uh, but also have to make their way in the world. So they sort of, you know, bend the rules and maybe aren't the best all the time, but that just makes sense in, in the kind of environment that they live in. Here's another little tidbit I wanted to throw out, too. Uh, during the, the filming of the pilot episode, Whedon was still arguing with Fox that the show should be displayed in a widescreen format. Consequently, he purposely filmed scenes with actors on the extreme edges of both sides so that they would have no choice but to show it that way in a widescreen type of format. The, uh, whatever, let's see, uh, go on here a little bit more. Uh, however, the pilot was rejected by the Fox executives. Some, uh, some of this you may know. Uh, they felt it lacked action and that the captain was too dour. Uh, they disliked a scene where the crew backed down to a crime boss, since, since the scene implied that the crew was being nothing and, you know, kind of weak. Uh, thus, Fox told Whedon on a Friday afternoon that he had to submit a new pilot script the next Monday morning, or the show would not be picked up. Whedon and Tim Minear, uh closeted themselves for the weekend to write what became the new pilot, The Train Job. 
And this new pilot, the captain, was more jolly at the direction of Fox, and they added larger-than-life characters. These characters manifested themselves in the henchmen, Crow, and the hands of Blue Men, which also introduced the X-Files-type uh, setting and, and little tidbits there. So the, the interesting thing about all that, I thought, was you know when I first saw this show, and this will just show how much these Fox executives know what they're doing, which they don't. Uh, most executives should leave it to the creators and the writers and, and, and trust them. But uh, when I first saw Firefly, and I think I've said this before on the podcast when I've talked about either Firefly or the movie Serenity, I watched that first uh, episode. I was very excited for this. I was a Buffy fan, and I said, oh, Joss is creating this new sci-fi western show. Gosh, that'll be perfect for me. And I watched The Train Job, and I just was like, duh. That that's that's it. That I didn't like it really very much at all. I, I didn't quite understand what was going on. The characters really just didn't do it for me. It didn't gel, and you were thrown kind of into the action. Now that may work for a film or something like that, where you have to get into things and you have a very short span span of time. But for a TV series, I was like, eh, and I and I basically I just. I, there were a lot of other things, I think, at the time I was watching, and I didn't really have time, and it didn't grab me. So I just said, no, nah, that show's not for me. And I never watched it until I bought the DVD set and later just you know, fell in love with the show like a lot of other people when it came out that way and watched you know, all the episodes in a very short span of time. But when I saw that original pilot, I said, oh, my gosh, you know, why didn't they show this? If I had seen the pilot first, I would have stuck with the show from the beginning. And, you know, Fox really monkeyed around with this, and they, they tried to push their influence on the series, and it, and it showed a little bit, and then, you know, eventually Joss kind of threw back into that and got his own way with some stuff. So I, I thought that was so interesting uh, areas to explore. I want to slide in uh, some comments here. The first one uh, is from Kenny, and he has some comments about Firefly to share, and like I said, I don't want to save all these for the end. So here's Kenny from California. Hey Rico, this is Kenny from California, and when I heard you were going to do a podcast about sci-fi westerns, only one came to mind, and it's my ultimate favorite sci-fi western, probably one of my favorite TV series, Firefly. I'm a huge Joss Whedon fan, so I watch Buffy and Angel, and when I heard that he was doing this new TV series that was kind of like a western, yet there were spaceships, I was kind of leery because I'm not a huge western fan, but I figured it was Joss Whedon and I'd give it a chance, and I watched the first episode, and um, I was hooked. What was great about Firefly is that it was very sci-fi. I mean, there were spaceships, and you, if you really thought about it, the inner planets were very high-tech and very futuristic. It was the outer planets, the, the planets on the rim, that were actually the frontier planets, and they were more more western they had horses, and but they still had little, you know, bits of technology here and there. So I think that's why probably why I enjoyed it so much is because the fact that it, I think it was more sci-fi with like a western touch to it. But besides the western feel, it's obviously Joss Whedon's characters, the crew of Serenity, which makes you really enjoy the show. Yeah, the background is great, and the story's set in kind of a western feel to it, but it's definitely the characters that make you come back each week and uh, which made Firefly you know this huge cult favorite uh, even though it was canceled prematurely and played out of order it, it found new life on DVD and obviously enough life to uh, have Universal do this wonderful movie called Serenity uh, which was fantastic also so if you're not a western fan but you do enjoy sci-fi I strongly suggest 
watching Firefly. You won't be disappointed. It's a fa- it's just a fantastic TV series, regardless of what genre it is. So I think that's going to do it. Stay shiny, Rico. Thanks a lot for your comments, Kenny. Yeah, it's a fantastic series. Uh, so much uh, I'd like to say about it, and I, I will say some more. Uh, but uh, I want to play a clip here in a minute. And I think I goofed up earlier. I don't know what was my brain just clicked off for a second. But they're not in the uh, our, our current solar system. In the future, they're in another solar system. But it is one system with a lot of planets that have been colonized and have all these little sort of, uh, you know, very frost, or, um, uh, pioneer and rustic uh, little encampments all about you know amongst them and that so uh, anyway sorry about that little uh, glitch there in my brain <laughs> here's a uh, a clip from the show uh with some musical accompaniment to it that i found on youtube uh there's some uh, different scenes in this and you, you'll get a feel for the show look at this here's the guy that's just in the nick of time what does that make us big damn heroes sir ain't we just it would be humiliating Having to lie there while the better man refuses to spill your blood. Mercy is the mark of a great man. Oh! Guess I'm just a good man. Oh! Oh, I'm alright. What am I, your advocate? You are starting now. He's really very gentle and fuzzy. We're becoming fast friends. <laughs> folks are all insane well my sister's a ship we had a complicated childhood we're cynical and not responding and we couldn't bring them back and we were cyanotic they were cyanotic and not responding we were responsive and we were unable to resuscitate them yes resuscitate them good which methods did you use we tried pulmonary stimulators and, and cardiac Infusers. 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 Pulmonary Pulmonary stimulators and cardiac Cardiac infusers. infusers. What about cortical electrodes? Oh. Let's try that again. Y'all got something that belongs to us? We'd like it back. This is a holy cleansing. You cannot think that thwart God's will. Y'all see the man hanging out of the spaceship with the military gun? I'm not saying you weren't easy to find. What's kind of out of our way? And he didn't want to come in the first place. Man's looking to kill some folks. So really, it's his will y'all to worry about thwarting. Gotta say, Doctor, sounds really neat, folks. It's miraculous. Yes, I'm very proud. Cut her down. The girl is a witch. Yeah, but she's our witch. So cut her the hell down. What? I think of myself as a liar. You might as well, though, have a mighty roar. I said a lion. Oh, I thought. No, I was. That's weird. He seems to think that we get all this burning sexual tension out in the open. You know, make a fair fight for your womanly affection. No! That was the torture talking, remember? The torture? I know it's a difficult mission. But you and I have to get it on. I understand. We have no choice. Take me, sir. Take me hard. Yeah, so there's a clip. I uh, give you a little bit of feel. Uh, not the best clip in the world, uh, but there, you know, 
So many music videos on YouTube these days, hard to find a clean one. Uh, let's go through quickly the characters. Uh, you guys all know these if you've uh, seen the show. Uh, Nathan Fillion is is Mel Malcolm Reynolds or Malcolm Mel Reynolds. He, he's sort of the uh, he, well, he's the captain of the ship. Uh, he's the default leader. Uh, he was on the losing side of the war that happened, the Unification War. Uh, he he's uh, you know kind of one of those typical antiheroes, a little gruff, but uh, he he's got an honorable streak, and uh, he he fights for sort of what's right uh, throughout the series in the Serenity movie. Uh, Gina Torres is his uh, sort of the next in command of the ship, uh, and sort of his right hand uh, woman in this case, not right hand man. Uh, she's Zoe on Zoe Washburn, married to the pilot uh, Wash, they call him, uh, uh, played by Alan Tudyk. Uh, Marina Baccarin is Anara. Adam Baldwin, Jane, uh, the the tough but sort of you know soft center, you know sometimes a Jane character. He's the guy who loves, likes the big guns. Jewel states uh, Kaylee Fry. She's the kind of the keeps the ship running because the ship's in in pretty poor shape most of the time. Sean Meyer is uh, Simon Tam. He's the brother of River Tam, played by Summer Glau, uh, who's this sort of very um, you know, kind of a psychic. And you don't know, learn a lot about her. You learn a lot more about her in the movie, the Serenity film. But there's a lot of mystery behind her character. Uh, Ron Glass is a Shepherd Book. Uh, and uh, I think that's pretty much the main group of characters. One, one of the things about this show to me that really appealed to me, uh, just like all of Josh's shows, are the characters and, and what they're all about. Uh, he just has the ability, even in such a short series here with only 14 episodes, to make you care so much about the characters and what they go through. It, it's just unbelievable to me how, how well he can do that. Uh, it happened for me with uh, with Buffy, with Angel, and also with Firefly as well here. Uh, I, I just like this show so much, uh, and I think I've said this story before. Uh, the uh, Our neighbors, where we got our dog from, the mom over there, the golden retriever over there is named Zoe, and so uh, I thought it would be kind of fun. Uh, we named our dog Kaylee uh, after uh, uh, the character Kaylee on Firefly, so uh, it just goes, yeah, gives you an idea how much I enjoy this series and, and these characters so much. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, what else can I say about uh, this? Oh, let's talk. I guess we could talk really briefly about the movie here. Uh, I'll play the trailer for you to the movie Serenity, which I think was out in uh, was it 2002 or 2003? I'll have to look that up. But uh, I'll be back right after I play the trailer. Oh, no, no. What I was saying about the year. Sorry. <laughs> the year is 2005 for the movie. The show was on in 2002. OK, here we go. Y'all got on this boat for different reasons. But y'all come to the same place. So now I'm asking more of you than I have before. As sure as I know anything, I know this. I am to misbehave. sister under my protection here the only people she's a threat to is us on this boat it isn't safe they're coming i think we better go where are you hiding little girl 
The Alliance wanted the reason they shouldn't have sent an assassin. Every minute you keep River Tam from me, more people will die. This is your fault. I don't murder children. I do. The Alliance has gone to enormous trouble to find you, friend. You'll know what it is you're carrying. You know that girl. She is a might unpredictable. Mood swings of a sort. It's worse than you know. It usually is. It's a fair bet the Alliance knows what's coming. No. They're not going to see this coming. Let's be bad guys. We're not alone. No more running. This is going to get pretty interesting. Define interesting. Oh God, oh God, we're all going to die? I want to resolve this like civilized men. I'm not threatening you. I'm unarmed. Good. Just wow. You know, seeing that trailer again just makes me want to pop the DVD in and watch that movie. It's just so uh, fantastic. It's, it's just such a shame it, it, it didn't do very well at the box office. only made about $26 million, uh here in the U.S. and, and like $13 million overseas. Uh, I'm still hoping someday we'll get another one. I, I don't count it out. Joss is... He's got the ear of a lot of people in Hollywood these days. He's got the new TV series Dollhouse coming out soon as well. So I, I'd still say there's a good possibility we might see another one. Of the, the cast is definitely up for it. Uh, just a fantastic movie. Great follow-up to the series. Uh, uh, I, I just loved it so much, uh, and it's just uh, just a great film. There, It won a lot of awards, Nebula Awards. Um, you know, there's... Uh, uh, unfortunately, Sci-Fi uh, run, won a uh, Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation, uh, but but there's something about Sci-Fi and the Oscars and the Big Guy Awards that it just kind of you got to be something. Even like The Dark Knight this uh, past year is still going to have a hard time, I think, winning Best Picture. I, I think it deserves it, but that's another subject. So, uh, hey, let's hear from the Anomaly ladies, uh, Angela and Jen, uh, a little bit about Western Sci-Fi and Firefly. Here's the song, baby. <laughs> take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. I don't care, I'm still free. You can't take the sky from me. Take me out to the black. Tell them I'm not coming back. <laughs> Burn the land and boil the sea. You can't take the sky from me. Boy, this is horrible. I love it. This is what the people like. This is what they want to hear. Keep going. <laughs> There's no place, place I can, can be since I found serenity. You can't take the sky from me. I did almost all of that from memory. Really, the guitar in that is the best. Yeah. And somewhere, I think on the DVD, they have uh, they have a recording of Joss actually singing it. Hi, Rico. This is Angela. And this is Jen. And we know that you want some comments on your uh, subgenre of space cowboys. And the only yeah. one that we really know well is Firefly. Yes. So we figured we would give you some comments on that. It rocked. It's awesome. The end. End of transmission. <laughs> Jen, what is your favorite my moment favorite or favorite moment, episode? My favorite show was Shindig. 
Oh, Shindig's good. Yes, and, and my favorite moment was when Mao bought Kaylee the dress yes. that she wanted. He was such a jerk at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> we were just making fun of her for wanting it. It was a hideous dress, and it had these huge, giant ruffles, and... That was a spoiler, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, if people listening to us have not watched Firefly, then bully to them. Bully to them. Firefly is awesome. Watch it. And I don't think it's really that much of a spoiler. Um, in that episode, my favorite part is when all the girls are being mean to her, and then she's having that conversation with all the men. Like, all the oh, men yeah. are around her, and she's talking to them about engines and stuff anomaly. and eating strawberries. She's awesome. <laughs> we love her. We love Kaylee. My favorite, actually, is a... Well, the funny moment is in Janestown when when Wash says, what, when are we going to go to the crappy town where I'm the hero? And then really poignant wise, because I like to go there, is an aerial after Jane has sold them all out. And Mal knows what happened and he has him in the airlock. It's so cool because you see that little bit of Jane being kind of human mm-hmm. because he's like, if you do kill me, just don't tell him. Don't tell him why you did it. And I just, I don't know. I like that part because it's very... And I like, too, that you think something... Well, this is a Joss thing, but you think something's going to happen one way and then it completely turns out on it, you know, and uh, that really mean bad guy is torturing Mal and Wash. And and he says, no... And Zoe comes in to save him. And he's like, now you have a very difficult decision. Do you want you to know, save your captain or save your... And he doesn't even start... Like, he barely gets the sentence out. And Zoe goes, him. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, she doesn't worry about it at all. She's like, him. Takes watch. <laughs> so, Speaking that. of Zoe, that's the character I most identify with. Yes. Is Zoe. And you, I think, are Kaylee. That's what people say. Yes. Just personality-wise. Yeah. That's the two of us. I'm cool. And I like our Kaylee. husbands are, my husband is Mal, and yours is Wash. Wash. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my husband is definitely Wash. So He's anyway, great. Firefly. Yay, Firefly. Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks, Anomalies, Angela and Jen. Uh, great to hear from you. So glad that you had a chance to, to talk a little bit about... Uh, firefly for us and uh now i have another song to play oh you shouldn't have done that <laughs> uh, i'll save that forever so another classic from the anomaly uh ladies over at anomalypodcast.com go check them out uh, great uh, other uh geeky podcasts i think uh you'll all enjoy if you haven't listened to them yet uh, so um let's see what else can we cover here i i'm i gotta wind this down it's starting to get a little bit long uh we're about more than an hour, hour and 15 here, and uh, looking at the time as audacity. Audacity. Oh, oh wow, that's weird. No, my name's Dosty, Audacity. Oh, no. Audacity, using Audacity to record the podcast. So we'll wind it up, uh, but... Um, of course, uh, I, I hope you've enjoyed this look at it. Uh, I've got one more clip here to play. Of course, uh, Rick Moyer's uh, commentary and a musical entry into the world of Western sci-fi. So take it away, Rick. And uh, right after that, I'll come back and wrap up this week's podcast. Hey, Rico, it's Rick Moyer from Aberdeen. And I'm so excited about you covering Western sci-fi type shows. My favorite of all time when I was a kid was a movie called Westworld. And uh, I just, you know, instead of making comments like this, I wrote a song all about it. I think everybody will enjoy it. I hope so. And uh, I just, I loved it because Rudy Wells was from The Bionic Man was in it. Um, some great actors. And, of course, Yul Brenner, 
who who can resist Yul Brenner as a robot? Kind of cool. So I wrote this song, and I hope everybody enjoys it. It's called "I Want to Be a Robot Gunslinger Cowboy." So here you go. Tell me what you think. And you, sir? Yeah. What is your name, sir? Oh, I'm Ted Mann. I'm a stockbroker from St. Louis. And uh, which world did you just come from, sir? Oh, you're not gonna believe this. But I've just been the sheriff of Westworld for the last two weeks. Did it seem real to you, sir? The realest thing I ever done. I mean that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Growing up, we lived a long way out of town. So I made up a world that I could live in. My dog was my partner, and I ran the show. If you're lucky, I'd let you win. Cause I wanna be a robot, gunslinger, cowboy. I wanna be a robot, gunslinger, cowboy. I wanna be a robot, gunslinger, cowboy. I wanna be a robot, gunslinger, cowboy like you, Brennan. Hold it. I watched Westworld and it glued me to my seat. Search tight low, put my cowboy boots on my feet. I picked up my cap gun and I ran outside to the lawn. Yeah, I was your friend of the robot, so I wrote you this song. I wanna be a robot, gunslinger, cowboy. I wanna be a robot. Gunslinging cowboy. I wanna be a robot. Gunslinger cowboy. I wanna be a robot. Gunslinger cowboy. Like your brother. Get this boy a bib. I pull my gun and I shoot at my foe. My eyes they sparkled with that android like glow. I'd chase him down like I was malfunctioning Wearing black and sporting my sling, yeah I wanna be a robot, gunslinger, cowboy I wanna be a robot, gunslinger, cowboy I wanna be a robot, gunslinger, cowboy I wanna be a robot Gunslinger Cowboy A little part of me Wanted some robot circuitry I wanna be a robot Gunslinger Cowboy I wanna be a robot Gunslinger Cowboy I wanna be a robot Gunslinger Cowboy I wanna be a robot. Did they have much of a kick? Gunslinger cowboy. A Colt 45. I wanna be a Well, robot. I never fired one before. Gunslinger cowboy. Now, when they give you the gun belt, does it have those strings to tie around your leg? Cowboy. If that's the kind you want, that's the kind I, I want. Be it's probably better for quick draws, Gunslinger you know. Gunslinger cowboy. I wanna be a robot. Gunslinger cowboy. I wanna be a robot. Gunslinger Cowboy
I wanna be a robot, gunslinger, cowboy like your brother. Easy as mama. I wanna be a robot, gunslinger, cowboy. I wanna be a robot, gunslinger, cowboy. Raise 'em high. You say something, boy. I wanna be a robot, gunslinger, cowboy. 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 Fantastic. A robot gunslinger cowboy. Uh, how cool is that? Uh, uh, definitely check uh, out uh, Rick's stuff over at uh, his parody page, uh, ChristRocks.com slash parody. And I know he's got a new project that he's working on, but I don't want to say anything much about that yet. Uh, perhaps he'll send me a little promo for uh, what he's working on these days, uh, and I can play that uh, very soon on the podcast. Well, once again, we've come to the end of another edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. I don't want to really uh, slip in a uh, collectible this week. I'll try to do one next week for you, which we're going to sort of continue the uh, theme of the West in Sci-Fi, where I'm going to be looking at an episode of the original Star Trek that was very uh, West, Old uh, West-oriented, called Spectra of the Gun from the beginning early uh, of Season 3 of the original series. So that'll be on next week's Treks in Sci-Fi. Send your comments in if you'd like for that show at treksf at gmail.com. And don't forget to get those uh, TNG Next Gen uh, cast lists to me to win that DVD set as well. So, again, thanks to everyone for sending in your comments this week. I, I really had a great time uh, covering a Western science fiction for you. There's a lot of other things I could have talked about. Uh, Wikipedia, just type in uh, Western sci-fi and you'll get a few other things that'll pop up there. But I think I covered the highlights, the shows that I've enjoyed in movies over the years uh, uh, in this sort of sub-genre. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And maybe we'll revisit this topic again someday. Uh, I think it would be worthwhile. Maybe focus a little bit on Firefly and do a whole episode around that. So I think that would be cool. Uh, I got to get out of here. So everyone, take care. Have a great week. Uh, Stay healthy and warm wherever you're at. And I will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye for now. Podcast, copyright 2009, Rico Rico Dosti. Visit treksinsci-fi.com, please. See you next week.
Jack. 